Also, I didn't ask this, but um, how do you guys feel about my shirt today? I love it. You it's like fantastic. Yes. I actually it makes me wish I had worn a shirt like it. Just before you guys came over to record, I um I turned it inside out from a Russian general's uh, <laughs> uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Phantom Denmark Podcast, specifically Spencer and Tim Tackle. I'm Spencer. Tim's here. I'm in here. person. Yes. We're recording in person. Thanks, Tim, for coming down and our guest. Um, and our guest, is, our guest is a great friend of mine. He introduced me to two Tom Cruise things, not Mission Impossible, but two great Tom Cruise things. And that's my buddy from college, Darren. Hey, what's up, guys? Glad this, to be here. This is Darren's first podcast. Um, no pressure. Yeah. Just don't mess up. You know? Yeah. But what, how, do you, how do you feel about Tom Cruise, Darren? Why, why do you think I brought you here today? I mean, he's just the daddy of all daddies. <laughs> <laughs> so Darren introduced me to, I don't know if we watched Night and Day first or Top Gun first. But I had not seen the original Top Gun. So Darren and I watched that. I think it was, I think it was actually Night and Day first. Okay. Well, both yeah. of those, like Mission Impossible 2, are very horny movies <laughs> but top gun is much more so <laughs> the top gun maverick is too but in a different way <laughs> yeah um my goodness well um i thought well if we're doing mission impossible movies at some point there was it was un, no doubt in my mind i was like well darren's got to come on <laughs> at some point because darren darren and i uh share a love of tom cruise that the only other person i share with that is tim so I was like, okay, well, Tim and I are going to talk about Tom Cruise. Well, I got to bring in Darren to talk about Tom Cruise. Um, but today we're specifically talking about Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. So we're, we're picking up on our Mission Impossible rewatch, which is too many movies. But if you are new to the podcast, Tim and I did one and two in one episode, which was a, it was a, it was a meaty episode <laughs> back in January. And then we did three uh, a few weeks back. So I have a question. It's really dumb. How do you guys feel about the punctuation of of Mission Impossible's? Because I was actually wondering if this was going to get brought up because it doesn't make any sense. It's Mission uh, colon, colon Impossible hyphen hyphen. Yeah, so you have to look it up, but it's hyphen, and I I need to look this up because I forgot. But I think seven IMDb. Okay. There's no comma. I was wondering. I'm like, is it because it's Mission Impossible? Mission colon Impossible hyphen Dead Reckoning Part One. <laughs> <laughs> that is a stupidly long title. That's almost as bad as Master Commander of the Far Side of the World. <laughs> Which I did. Funny story. I did have my um. I had my Siri called me Master Commander of the Far Side of the World for a long time. That's awesome. So I said Siri. Yes, Master Commander of the Far Side of the World. <laughs> And I think I think now it calls me the um, full name of Dum Dum Dugan. <laughs> Do you remember he has like a really long name, like Timothy yeah. Cadwaller, Elosius, something, something. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I just wanted to see: is that good? Is that too much punctuation? Should they have done two colons? Should I, I they don't have done know a why semicolon? it was like that in the first place because I could understand Mission Impossible colon Rogue Nation, but. That's that's too many colons though. <laughs> I think a hyphen is necessary. Yeah. Um, I'm also just wondering, like, with the way Mission Impossible movies go, like, there's no way this is the actual real name of the mission. Like, they all like, <laughs> they, they all go like rogue or like IMF gets shut down or something crazy happens where it's like, okay, what's the actual name of the mission? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, well, this one has this one has some semblance because. Um, they're like, the president has initiated ghost protocol. The entire IMF has been disavowed. Oh, no. <laughs> this has never happened before. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, Spencer and Tim Tackle, first off, comic book movie we're all call. It's Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye. That's it. That's actually I, not true. Ooh, uh, you found another one, yeah, did you? Simon Pegg. 
has been in the boys as someone's dad. I, I think it's Carl, uh, okay. Carl Urban's character. Well, that is comic book. Yeah. Um, so I will take that. I'm surprised he hasn't been in more comic book stuff. No, he hasn't. Um, I mean, if you count, if you jump to like other universes, Simon Peck's been in like everything else. Yeah. Like he's been in Star Wars. He's been in Star Trek. Um, if you don't remember where he was in Star Wars, Darian, he was he was the um, the slave trader guy at the beginning of Episode Seven, where he's like one portion. <laughs> that was Simon Pegg. He's also in Hogwarts Legacy um, for a role that doesn't matter. But I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, he's the headmaster that everyone hates. Doesn't oh, even really? sa- it doesn't okay. even sound like Simon Pegg, does it? Um, but yeah, he clearly didn't do they didn't do motion capture for anyone in that game, including Simon Pegg. But I will sh- I will save my I will hold my tongue. I've already slandered. I've already done some slander of Hogwarts Legacy. I'm just gonna hold my tongue. Um, I did not write a synopsis for this movie, Darren. Darren, would you would you like to give us some 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 wild guesses at a synopsis of this movie? Because I did not write official <laughs> one. Uh, let's see. Um, Tom Cruise has to like get broken out of somewhere, and IMF either gets yep. shut down or Tom Cruise like leaves IMF and goes rogue. Yes. Yeah. Well, the IMF gets it's about. Yes. Then what? Yes. Uh, and then they save something or someone. <laughs> <laughs> We're describing a few Mission Impossible movies right now. Um, it, I mean, it's... That's pretty good. We go, like, all across the world. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, yeah, so Tom Cruise is in Breaking Bad Prison, and he has to go stop, like, a nuclear something or other. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's back in the game. Um, yeah, so keeping count, Tim and I were doing this, but I, it's been a minute, so I don't remember what they all were, but new secretary... And it's like, and or the secretary gets killed. Tire IMF gets disavowed, or Tom Cruise goes rogue. In this case, they get disavowed, so he doesn't go rogue. In fact, he's the other one that doesn't go rogue. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's the only one still in the IMF, I guess. Him and the other three people. And then, um, I don't know what the other ones we were keeping count of. Oh, female female spy character yeah, that doesn't appear in the one. next one. A new one. Yeah, new girl. Uh, and then we mentioned a new one for this one. Uh, the first first way of introducing the the like title sequence in an actual way that has to do with the movie. Yes. Of him like the match. Yeah, like the fuse. Yeah. They actually yeah, that's a cool that's a cool thing. Um yes. Tim, you wanted to talk about Brad Bird. What do we know Brad Bird from? The director oh, yeah, of this one. Uh, he directed The Incredibles, um, and then this, uh, and then later on, um, Incredibles 2. Um, that's, that's all, right? Or did so he, he did, did Iron Fog? Giant. Oh, okay. And okay, then he did, and then he did Incredibles, and then he might have done some producing stuff in between, but I think he produced some Pixar stuff, not mm-hmm. directed, and yeah. then he did um this was his live action and then he actually did tomorrowland which we don't talk about yeah um horrible movie although um side note there's like a tomorrowland style like series on apple tv that i've been meaning to watch and it has the guy from um mission impossible 3 that also played dr manhattan what's his face billy mccrudder um i want to watch it it's like one of those things where like back in that, that what they thought the 2000s were going to be like with the flying cars and stuff, but it's all like 60s style because they couldn't <laughs> imagine the future. I think it's called Hello Tomorrow or something, but anyway, it's what Tomorrowland should have been, um, is my understanding. But anyway, then Brad Bird did um, Incredibles 2, and I don't think he's done too much. I kind of like, <clears throat> he's interesting because he did Tomorrowland, which was bad, but everything else has been pretty big winners. Um, but he doesn't do a lot of directing. Like he just does like one thing every few years other than like JJ Abrams is doing something every other. Kind of reminds me of Tim Miller uh, did Deadpool. But before that he was just working in the industry uh, and then also doesn't really direct very much. Um, But then like Tim Miller's going to do Borderlands. And so it's like, he has some, some hits and misses but worked in the industry Borderlands first. is a big thing. I mean, they got a big cast. I don't remember who was in it, but yeah. it, was, it was a big deal. Um, and hopefully after the back of Last of Us, it does well. Of course, I haven't played Borderlands, so I know absolutely nothing about it. But I'm kind of in that same boat. I started it, but never finished. So, Tim, would you like to say some notes about the story first? Uh, yeah. So, 
one, one thing that we noticed is the uh, they every technical device failed in this mission and every small part of the mission they failed at um, like they were going to retrieve something from the Kremlin and then the Kremlin blew up um, not their fault uh, and then they were going to steal um, or exchange the nuclear codes for diamonds but then get the, the nuclear codes back they failed at that the guy escaped with them uh, and then they were going to to get like access to the satellite and they failed at that um, so it's a, it's a really interesting thing because that doesn't really happen in Mission Impossible movies um, but I, I think this one it sells at the stunts like the stunts in this one are very iconic for for Mission Impossible that sounds for a reason that reminded me of um, Friends, where Ross is talking, going through all of his marriage, failed marriages. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> First marriage, lesbian, not my fault. <laughs> First one said the wrong name at the altar, a little my fault. <laughs> and I don't know why, I just <laughs> it is true. Yeah, um, we're jumping ahead on trivia, but. I did read that Brad Bird specifically wanted everything to break in the movie. And so you're in the, you're in the bathroom when I mentioned that to Tim, but I'm mentioning it now for you, Darren and the listeners, just for you listening to this. Yeah. So, uh, is this the best intro of all six? I, I think it reminds me the prison. Sequence. It reminds me very much. Uh, oh, the, the prison or Hannaway? Uh, both, but, the Hannaway is just like a, you see it again yeah. later, so I would say that, but also the prison. The the Hannaway part reminded me of three, uh, in the sense that it brings in kind of a, a a good actor, and then kills him off. Oh, that's the other keeping count. Yeah, good <laughs> yeah. actor kills him off. Uh, Carrie Russell and Emilio Estevez. Yeah, in the, yeah, he's in the first one. Yeah, yeah, really knew that. He is uncredited, so they didn't want to even anyone know that he'd be in the movie. And then um, he was like a huge star at the time, which is hilarious because. His career, minus Mighty Ducks, <laughs> downturned immediately after that. So, yeah, he dies in, like, the first four or five minutes of Mission yeah, Impossible 1. The whole team does, but him included. Uh, so, about the prison break, something I want to talk about for that. Uh, I recently watched a movie called um, On the Ledge. Uh, with Sam Worthington. Yeah, I was going to say, that's um, Sam, I don't know yeah. anything about that movie. Oh, it's, it's a really good movie. He's on the ledge, I'm assuming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the whole part is, uh, like, he's he's acting like he's going to suicide, so he's making a whole scene about it. Meanwhile, his brother is breaking into a place to prove his innocence. Um, but the beginning of the movie starts with him, um, like, in prison, um, running laps, and... Uh, and so I was like, well, that's a kind of weird detail to have in a movie of him just running laps. But in this movie, um, it's also a small detail of him just throwing the rock at the wall and catching it. And I think both movies use that type of detail to, to signify that like they're still keeping in shape. Because in, in, in On the Ledge, he was a cop before. And um, so they're still both staying in shape and keeping their reflexes and stuff. And then it plays a bigger part in the movie later. It's the only movie where Sam Worthington isn't blue. <laughs> after Terminator Salvation. <laughs> I feel like, because that movie came out after Avatar 1, but before Avatar 2. Well, yeah, probably. So he probably <laughs> so did that movie. Between those well, two. yeah, but like four years of that gap was filming Avatar 2 and 3. <laughs> so um, I don't know. I just imagine, I saw a clip the other day from like X-Men Origins where like Stryker's picking up Wolverine. I feel like um, James Cameron is just was just like at the set of On the Ledge or something with Sam Worthington be like, your avatar needs you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Canadian. Anyway, I think it might be. I think the only thing that's going to beat it is next one. The airplane. I think the airplane might be the best intro to a Mission Impossible movie. I don't remember that. He gets on the airplane. He holds on to the side of the airplane. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I forgot like, that was what? later in the movie. <laughs> what? Uh, I didn't make very many notes because we were watching it together, but it's a great movie. It's really fun. Um, 
I really like the secretary, like Tom Wilkinson being the American secretary. It's weird because I saw this. When I saw this, it wasn't that far away from Batman Begins. And so he's playing like the American gangster guy in that one. And so in this, he's playing like the good guy. It's a it's a nice turn. Um, did you guys see this in the theater? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did. It was great. I loved it. What year um, did this come out? 2011? 2010? I was okay. too young to go to the theater. That is not true. <laughs> that is so not true. I think it was like the same. Yeah, I think it was around the same time as like Inception and stuff. Which that's a great movie. Yes. Um, unfortunately, that is better than this. But this is a great movie too. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I saw this in the theater. This was my first Mission Impossible movie that I saw, and the first one I saw in theaters. So I actually saw this without knowing all the tropes and without knowing all of the things. Um, and so it's really fun. The other thing we didn't keep count of is. Uh, the person floating or like hanging from something is yeah. Jeremy Renner with yeah. the magnetic thing. Was it just in one? No, he did something similar in two. Yeah. He, he falls from a wire or something, yeah. which and I guess technically Tom Cruise does that out of the, the Wiz Khalifa. That's what I said. <laughs> 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 Khalifa. I guess we could keep track of how many times he climbs something. Yeah. In uh no, how many times at the beginning he climbs the, the rock face and then in this he, Climbs a building. Right. Well, this is the last time I can mistake Wiz Khalifa for the, the Birch <laughs> So, Man, when Tom Cruise climbed Wiz Khalifa, it was a really awkward scene. <laughs> Usually Tom Cruise seduces one movies this time. He has to climb because Wiz Khalifa is so tall. Yeah. Tom Cruise is so short. Maybe that's, I wonder if that too is, um, I don't know, I don't know how tall Simon Pegg and all them are, but in Valkyrie, which was a little bit before this, they casted people that were short because of Tom Cruise because he's like 5'7". I heard about that. Although I did learn the other day that Daniel Radcliffe, the guy that plays Harry Potter, 5'5". Five, 5'5". Five. Five, five. He's 5'5". Five, Talk five. about Short King. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Short King has taken over. But Tom Cruise has been a Short King for many yes. decades now. Same with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Also a yeah. Short King. Well, Tom, he doesn't embrace it though. You know, Robert. Yeah, he wears like those thick yeah. shoes, or like he stands on a box. Like there's that, there's that shot in Infinity War where he's eye to eye with Benedict Cumberbatch, and I almost laugh out loud when I see that scene on DVD and stuff because I'm like, yeah, Benedict's like six two or something. Also, well, Gwyneth Paltrow is taller than him. Oh, she's like five sure. ten, so he wears like he huge wears platforms, thick, thick shoes. Yeah. Like you can see it only a couple times, but when he gets up on the shelf to like hang the painting. You can see <laughs> they're borderline heels. Like they are, they're at least an inch thick. Oh yeah. Um, so he doesn't embrace the short king. Yeah. Tom Cruise is a short king. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we all noticed that he got off his belt very quickly. <laughs> and all of us are like, how do you do it? Um, that was something else I wanted to mention though, is like when he's flying off of that building, you know, it's Tom Cruise. Like you, the shots are all directly at the camera. Yeah. And I is. think this was the first movie where I still really started to mention that. I started to see it more often. It's the same thing when you're climbing the the building. Um, like that was actually was him and because Brad Bird could, could focus on getting like actual shots of the stunt rather than if it was a stunt double, they, he'd have to be more clever on, on hiding the fact that it wasn't Tom Cruise. But he, you know, Brad Bird could focus on just getting the the shot rather than just like the environment. Um, so yeah, it's, would it, you would it, you be more scared to do this or the airplane stunt in the next one? Dude, I'm not doing either. <laughs> I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this because I'm like, man, that would be the scariest stunt he's ever done. Like just being up that high. I, I'm, I can't do heights that much anyway, but yeah. that would be nuts. But then I thought, well, he's even higher in the airplane, and he had no parachute. Goodness. There's no parachute in there. Yeah. There's no room for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was strapped in, but, jeez, that's just too much for me. Well, and then I, I wouldn't drive a motorcycle off a cliff either. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Darren, you need you need to watch this. They, The one they did in 7, he mm-hmm. drives a motorcycle off a huge ramp off a cliff in, like, Norway or something. Oh, um any parachutes too and he basically only had like one jump and there's like you, you can look up on youtube there's like pretty much a 30 minute documentary about how 
Christopher McQuarrie was afraid that Tom Cruise really was going to die this time. He did over this 10... Is, this is still before the movie's come out. <laughs> the movie a, hasn't even come out yet. There's a featurette on this Yeah, there's stunt. a featurette we're on just on this stunt. Um, Tom Cruise did 10,000 jumps on this bike. Oh the bike has no speedometer because it was a very specific bike. So he has to know how fast to ride the bike so that the camera can follow him correctly. And then he also has to know how fast to ride the bike because he's going off freaking cliff <laughs> and it is awesome it's just, i'm like tim and i separately watched the entire thing <laughs> we, we mentioned it to each other oh nuts that's the dude's, the dude's crazy yeah <laughs> um yeah to, uh i said this multiple times to them while we were watching the movie great mission impossible movie second favorite of mine worst villain yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there's nothing to him. He's not an ex-IMF agent, which, wow, breaking new ground there, <laughs> Copernicus. But that's it. That's all that's interesting about them. Is he that, only wears a mask one time. He wears a mask. And I don't know why. <laughs> he, he, unnecessarily, yeah, we're talking about he unnecessarily wears the mask to impersonate one of his goons. Why? <laughs> Just send the goon. Right? <laughs> what's, Winstrom, what's Winstrom doing during that time? Which, that doesn't scare me very much. Yeah, Winstrom. Win I am Winstrom. <laughs> I don't even I don't remember the, the bad guy's name. Hendrix. Like, I mean, Hendrix. Hendrix. I like Co Winstrom as a name better than Hendrix. Well, his code name is Cobalt. At least you're gone by that. That's <laughs> a better name. Something I thought. The the Russians do not like second guess the call to send a nuclear warhead into the US <laughs> at all. Um and I just don't think that's very accurate, but not good on them for filming all of that stuff in the submarine and everything. They could have skipped that, but they didn't. Attention to the detail. Um, well, to them, the U.S. had just blown up the Kremlin. So. <laughs> yeah, so they're just waiting for the phone call. They're like, <laughs> "Blow up San Francisco." Yeah, I thought you were good. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm, I'm surprised you called me this late. Actually, <laughs> I think that's my. I have a lot of favorite scenes of this movie. Um, the main one being where they're trying to argue about. I, Tom Cruise is trying to argue his way out of climbing the building. He's like, uh, air shaft, not enough time. Elevator shaft, infrared sensors, not enough time. <laughs> on, on what floor? 130? <laughs> 30. <laughs> and then Benji's like, I'm just working the computer. And Jeremy Renner's like, yeah, and I'm just the, the helper. <laughs> and the whole time, he's 22 minutes till doorknob. The countdown is not helping. <laughs> Every time uh, Agent Carter comes in, where is Ethan? Point. Yeah. You gotta be kidding yeah. me. When uh, when Paula Patton comes in, oh, it's okay. literally like, it's literally reminded me of like when you're with your like siblings and and you convince one to do something bad, and then like mom walks in, and, like catches you. Where is your brother? And... That's such a good There's description. A, this uh, this comedian, you guys have heard of him, I'm sure, because of the way of our childhoods but tim hawkins yeah in one of his early sketches he one of his early shows he's talking about he was playing with his kid he had a really dumb kid and the kid's like here throw this brick at me <laughs> it's called dodge brick it's great <laughs> and he and tim hawkins says the moment the brick knew uh, the moment the brick left my hand i knew i made a terrible mistake <laughs> that reminds me of a like diary of a wimpy kid and he's like, he's like, yeah, my dad just like, whenever he gets mad at me, he just throws whatever he has like in his hand. And so like in the book, it's like good time to screw up. And he's like holding a newspaper and then it's like bad time to screw up. And he has like a break. In his hand. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just love this. At least somewhat a true story. The moment the brick left my hand. <laughs> Did he throw a brick? So I think it's an amazing stunt. It's really great. Um, but I love that everything breaks and that they don't do the mass and everything because that's what you expect them to do and then they don't actually do it um, but Tom Cruise run it's a really good run Yeah. and I mentioned this to them if you haven't seen this movie listener you have to but um, it's required no um, the shot where there's a shot right in the middle of the run where Tom Cruise is running straight at the camera full arm length <laughs> high knees and everything and it's just golden chef's kiss um wanted to mention that <laughs> the only other note that i made and i think i stole this from someone else but there's no way branch would understand who the person is <laughs> crew drawing but it's 
probably this person. It's like, no, you can't draw a picture in your hand like that. It's like uh, the quote Deadpool. That's just lazy writing. Um, but that's all the notes I really had. Um, um, one thing I noticed, uh, there's like a theme in this movie of guilt. Uh, just Brant, Brant is guilty of, of letting um, Ethan's wife die. And then uh, Carter's uh, guilty about leading the last mission Hannaway. where mm-hmm. Hannaway died. And then the movie is set up to make you feel like Ethan's guilty about his wife dying. And then he's, he went on the revenge spree and killed the, 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 um, the Nope. That's Serbians. wrong. Yeah. Serbians. Yeah. Serbians <laughs> knew that sounded wrong. <laughs> uh, but so, so there's three different central people on the team that we all think are feeling guilty. Mm. And then we, at the end, we realized that, Ethan's not has no reason to feel guilty, um, and in fact, he he helps um, Brant realize that it wasn't his fault, and his wife's not dead, uh, and he helps uh, Carter um, get over um, feeling guilty about Hannaway's death, uh, even though she did kill uh, whatever her name Moreau. is. So yeah. that worked out for revenge. Um, but yeah, it was it was good uh, subtle theme of guilt in this movie just kind of like the the last movie kind of talked about um like him being a trainer and like a new legacy in imf that was a more subtle i think this one was a little bit more upfront. well at least the guilt wasn't ethan's in this one yeah as but, much. but the movie still made you think because in the third was, one he's all revenge all the time yeah. about um about carrie russell's character that had a name Lindsay. that sounds right yeah. Um, and then, um, and then his wife getting captured. So this one, he's feel a little guilty, um, about messing things up at the Kremlin. Not that it was necessarily his fault, but there's something about that. Yeah. Um, note that I wanted to make the Russians are sort of the bad guys, but they're not the main bad guys. And then in the end, they end up being pretty much good guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a nice twist. You know, I just watched the movie Tetris and it was awesome. Um, it did take place when back in the USSR registered trademark Beatles. Uh, but yeah, the, the Russians are definitely the bad guys in that. <laughs> There's some good Russians in it, but generally they're all bad. So I did appreciate this one. It's like a nice little twist. They're, yeah. They're I, mean Russians and they're smoking and they're doing all that stuff, but then they end up being good at the end. Yeah. And this one, they're more of just like a nuisance. Like, yes. Like maybe kind of what they are in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Got them. <laughs> And this podcast has been canceled <laughs> by the Russians. Just kidding. My address is. Um, but the the bad guy puts it all together at the end. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. We're not going to be There's no other way to think about it. Like, you're stopping this. Yeah, it's the weakest villain. Yeah. Hands down. Like, the villain, especially because it's between the two best villains. Mm because John Void is not that much of a villain oh, no. in the first one. Yeah. And the second one is Ambrose. He's a, he's something. Uh, but I wouldn't call him the best villain. And then Philip Seymour Hoffman in the third one is, is awesome. Yeah, he's yeah. Um and then after this is Solomon Lane for the last two which he didn't want to do both of those. We're going to talk about that on a later episode. <laughs> he was like, "Do not bring me back for the sixth one." And then they did anyway. Money, I'm assuming. But he's a good villain, you yeah. know? And so I would feel like Philip Seymour Hoffman has the crown there for now. Maybe what's his face in there's seven? Some, there's some interesting villain uh, people possibilities. People that, yeah, possibilities. Kitridge is coming back from the first movie. I love Kitridge. You need Carrie Elwes should yeah. be an interesting villain. He would be a great villain. Haley Atwell probably won't be. I would. I don't think that would be good if they did that. Not just because Haley Atwell doesn't play that kind of. Yeah, character. but the female from the sixth one is going to be in the seventh. So I don't think she'll be the villain. So. Yeah, it may be Kitridge again. He wasn't really the villain in the first one, but we thought he was. You know, there's not a new girl in the in the sixth one. Haley Atwell. Well, yeah, not the new girl. Oh, there is oh. a new girl in the sixth one. It's uh, Vanessa Kirby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the new girl in the seventh one has to be Haley Atwell, of yeah. course. <laughs> so we don't new know. hot girl. <laughs> let me pray. Let me just say. Let me just put it out blunt out there. What everyone's thinking. Um, I don't know why Maggie Q didn't come back. She was great. Maybe she had scheduling conflict or something mm. like paula Patton did which what were you saying about paula <laughs> Patton? Like, why was she not in five yeah i think well she was also trying to film something but i was like reading about it and 
like 2014 to 2018, she was like going through this like nasty divorce, I guess, with with she, Robin Thicke. That's a really me long too. Time. Yeah. So it was like initial separation, and then like they figured out. I I spent more time like reading up about Paul Patton <laughs> than I did like actually about the movie. We're controlling ourselves, but, guys. <laughs> but but like so they did like I guess there was like initial separation, and then they found a cust- custody arrangement. But then like he needed to go to like rehab so then they like it was he lost full custody and then now i think they're back at a custody but i, I don't know Jeez. just poor paula <laughs> yeah paula i was gonna say paula paula deserved better yeah <laughs> sounds like she might need a job 2008 for... to 2014 no 2014 2018 oh, so like okay, four okay. years yeah because they waited a long time between this and five and if they it feels like they they should have just kept it going and they go they always have a big gap. Then we could have seen Paula Patton again. <laughs> I know. You know the smallest gap I think the smallest gap in Mission Impossible movies is um five and six. It's like twenty fifteen and twenty eighteen are the release dates for those. Yeah. So and probably and the well the smallest will be seven and eight. Part yeah, one and part two. Back to back years? They're doing back yeah. to back years. Yeah. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be oh, eating we, candy for we two years. Can, <laughs> we can add another thing to our count. Um, <laughs> We're gonna. This is great. We'll remember we, all these for we sure. We got three in this one movie of Tom Cruise smacking his head so hard oh, on yes. something. Like, oh, he smacked his head too after before, the Kremlin sure. blew up. He was laying in the hospital and had a concussion. So he, fa- he pretty much face planted. Yeah, 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 when he was running yeah. out of the Kremlin. And then, uh, and then after he was climbing the building, he. Uh, I don't know, did some ballerina thing and smacked his head straight on that wall. <laughs> and then uh, and then at the end, he smacked his head on a car. Uh, and all of those had to have been concussions. <laughs> oh, easily. Oh, and Michael Giacchino came back for the score. He did Mission Possible 3 score. He's like our favorite composer on this podcast. But <laughs> Simple thing to mention. Uh, Tim knows a cool thing about Brad Bird. Uh, so it's on the outline. <laughs> yeah, I pointed it out outline. when we watched the movie, but um, uh, so Brad Bird did Incredibles in this movie, and when they're changing, um, or when Tom Cruise is about to go in the room to meet Morrow, um, Renner's like, "Hey, goggles," uh, just I think a nod to Incredibles when uh, Elastic Girl reminds Mister Incredible that he has his mask still on, or that might have been Frozone. But That's he right, still right. had his yeah. mask on. Um, I thought that was a cool nod. And there are two other Pixar references in this uh, that Shoot. I'll talk about oh, yeah, in trivia. Yeah. One is one. more direct. He <laughs> 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 still like Pixar, but this one made me laugh. Um, any other notes on the movie story or anything? Tim, of course Agent Hannaway is dead. Yeah, but I mean, he's dead, I reckon. Oh, because the Nets movie is dead reckoning. (laughs) (laughs) That's so bad. Um, So yeah, rating of the movie. I would say it's a good 9 out of 10 for me. But that's because I really like Mission Impossible. If the villain was great, it would be a 10 out of 10. I think I I kind of rate this movie in the same way I rate the John Wick movies where it's like you go to John Wick to see the action, like there's almost no plot. And in this, like I, there's more plot than John Wick, but I mostly go see these movies for the stunts. And right. I think these are some of the most iconic stunts in the series. So probably nine or 9.5. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I'm at a nine also. I think like just normal, like acting and plot Paul would Patton. be like an eight, and then like just Paul and Pat. I knew it. So, so I was talking about the movie like, here, guys. I was gonna give it like two points because there's like two <laughs> reasons, but uh, I decided to just go one. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Um, we've already talked about the stunts a lot. There's a lot of good ones. I think these are some of the best in the in the series. Yeah, uh, we've already mentioned those in, in detail. Climbing the Wiz Khalifa being the main one. I know it's a virtually fine. I just had to say it one more time. Um, okay, ratings on Tom Cruise running. This is this better than the one in three, Tim? Yeah, I'm just trying to rate it based on things we had before. Like they, they the second one, he's better. just on a motorcycle the whole movie, but the third one, he has a good. But it was 
it was a good run, but it was short. But the the like the angle was just him running. To In this one, him. there's a lot of different angles, and it's front on. Um, yeah, I'd say this one's full, better than three. Full frontal. <laughs> Tom Cruise running. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, this is the most underrated Tom Cruise running sequence. Because everyone forgets oh, about this yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it is very uh, good. When people think of him running, it's always five. Or three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not necessarily five, six is the one you're thinking about. Oh, okay. Yeah. He does run in five. Yeah. We'll see that. Um, Tom Cruise hair. Now, for me, this is the best Tom Cruise hair of the whole series. I'm staking my claim on this one. One of the long hair? This is long hair, but this is reasonable like, long hair. Oh, you're thinking of two. Two long hair was like... <laughs> and yeah. two long hair is exactly right. T-O-O long hair. I've made my stake. I've already talked about this on the podcast. Hair's way too long in that one. Yeah, I liked two. No, I liked his hair from two, but... Because uh, mm. this is good, but five, it's like a little more shorter, mm. which I didn't like. Yeah, this might be... I think... I think... With him wearing the goggles, like on the root on the building and running in the the sandstorm, I think his hair is fantastic in those those scenes. And so yeah, this might be his best hair. Mm. Yeah. Also, I win. It's really good <laughs> hair when he's like when him and Jeremy Renner are wearing suits, and then like oh like, yeah, yeah. Oh. I'll jump back. Yeah, and it's that's like, good. But there's still like a little bit of like a balance and like flow to it, and just like wow. Yeah, because he like throws it all back right yeah. after climbing the building. So, yeah, I feel like there's a different, it's a different ball game between short hair Tom Cruise and long hair Tom Cruise. Like, I mean, the best short hair Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible series is uh, Night and Day. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the actual answer is probably three. Like, he looks pretty good in three or the first one. I think he looks best. I mean, the first one, he's so young. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Bananas. We did the math. I think he was 30 years old or 33 years old. In the first Mission Impossible Gosh. in 1996. <laughs> and now, now he's 60. Now he's 60, 60, almost 61. Yeah, he'll be 61 in July, which I found out for the trivia. Um, okay, we already said stunts. Secretary, he's very short-lived. I think he's still, he's one of my favorite secretaries other than, I do like Alec Baldwin. In the yeah, next, in Alec the sixth Baldwin's one. the best one. Well, he, there's not a secretary. He's kind of the secretary in the fifth yeah. one. By lack thereof, but which was the one in well, so one, no, there two, is two. Uh, oh, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, he's not. Even, I don't even good. know. If, I don't know if he's technically he's Mission Commander Swanbeck, but I feel like he's kind of the secretary. Um, oh well, Lawrence Fishburne. Oh yeah, yeah he's from great. Three. He's good. Yeah, that, he was a good one. He's a good one. That was one of those where we thought he was bad, and then he wasn't. wasn't. Yeah. Uh, Alec Baldwin's great, and then the fifth one's kind of Jeremy Renner, because there's no secretary. And I like that. I like the gag of that, um, which we'll talk about next time. And then the villain, the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Uh, Easily the worst. There's also, like, no development. No, no yeah. development yeah. at all. It's, just, it's But it's <laughs> nice to go... I feel like when you think about real-life spy work, you don't really see the bad guy and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is more like that. You have a couple scenes with them, which is a couple more than we needed. <laughs> This is crazy. We're saying this villain is better than John Voight as a villain, but no, he's not better than John Voight. I'm saying he's the bottom. Oh no, no, I'm saying John Voight is somehow oh, is better. The, yeah, he's <laughs> somehow better. Um, I, you haven't listened to the episode, I don't think. But there's the part of it where he's like, "Next thing you know, there's no Cold War, and you're sitting down making sixty thousand dollars a year," and you think that's like. That's not, I get, I thought that wasn't a lot, but it's like three hundred, two hundred thousand dollars $200,000 a year today. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, so you're sitting there making six figures a year. Like, that's pretty great, actually. Look at that. Okay, so uh, without further ado, I'm just going to run through some of this stuff. It's not time for the president has initiated ghost trivia. <laughs> it's the best thing I could come up with. Um, I was going to do ghost trivia, but then I thought I'd do the full line, you know, for the... So, um, just wanted to note the Burj Khalifa Towers, the tallest building in the world, just for some numbers throughout there. It's 2,722 feet. Um, Crews dangled outside the tower at approximately 1,700 feet. So he was like over halfway up. (laughs) (laughs) The high quality screen hologram projector gadget used to conceal anyone behind it. Um, As Tim mentioned when we were watching the movie, 
in the Kremlin. It was similarly used during the television series of Mission Impossible in 1966, season four, episode 16, The Falcon, part three. That's too many parts. <laughs> Just noting that. Part two, there's, there's part one, part two, that's it. You don't need more of that. <laughs> I thought this was funny just because we mentioned this. So according to Tom Cruise, he was happy to hear that they were using a subtitle in this film because he's not a big fan of like one, like two and three, like using Mm. numbers for sequels. Except this isn't a subtitle. It's a hyphen. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. (laughs) Uh, So this is, this called Super 8. Have you guys seen Super 8? There's like the town in the yes. 80s and there's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's a train and there's the, the train has the alien. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a very forgettable J.J. Abrams movie. Yeah. It's a good one, though. It's good. I liked it. It was pretty hyped up so, when it came out. Yeah. So, Tim, Super 8 was this movie's uh, Eyes Wide Shut, <laughs> <laughs> which is a reference to our second Mission Impossible movie episode, which, anyway, long story short, the whole movie was derailed and slash completely uh, delayed because of one Tom Cruise movie that went like three times the length of shooting <laughs> and like it's the it's most of the reason that we have um ian mckellen as gandalf and uh hugh jackman as wolverine <laughs> because of tom cruise being in the movie eyes wide shut too long so Good super eight pretty much just downplayed this whole movie so I, actually this was actually to the to the betterment of this movie um so jeremy renner was originally offered the dad cop role in super eight and so it went to Kyle Chandler eventually. But um, he took the role of Brant when J.J. Abrams told him that Tom Cruise and Brad Bird were interested in him because J.J. Abrams was working on Super 8. Um, so when accepting the role, Renner was only briefed on the film and character outline as there was no script at that point. But uh, Renner really liked Tom Cruise. It's like kind of like a he really wanted to work with him, like a big you know, kind of, um, I guess, idol to him. This is Brad Bird's live action directorial, directorial debut. Mentioned that. Um this film made pretty good money. It made almost $700 million at the box office worldwide, becoming the highest grossing installment in the franchise. I'm, it's been beat for sure. I'm, I'm certain of that. Uh, it also surpassed War of the Worlds to become Tom Cruise's highest grossing film as of 2012. That's wild. I, I don't so he's, Tom think, Cruise has kicked it. I think Tom Cruise. Likes War of the Worlds. <laughs> I think it's just Steven Spielberg, a lot of people want to see it. I think yeah. Tom Cruise has kicked <laughs> that record a few times. I mean, Tom, Tom Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's like yeah. that's never going to be beat again. Um, the high tech car that Ethan drives near the end of the film is the Vision Efficient Dynamics Concept Car. is an actual prototype of the BMW i8 plug-in hybrid. I don't understand any of these words, but very nice car that entered production in late 2013. So it's, it's cool. like three years before that. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up. It's powered by a 1.5 liter, three cylinder turbocharged gasoline engine and two electric motors. That's why it freaking flies. Um, So a bunch of stuff about IMAX cameras. So this was the first one to be released in IMAX. The sandstorm scene was shot in open matte super 35 millimeter rather than IMAX because the blowing sand would be invisible on film, even IMAX because of motion blur. Hmm. Um, So they used the bigger film um provided the quote-unquote sand so you could actually see it um so 25 minutes of this film was shot in imax 70 millimeter um so before it's like imax engagement experience the film had no previews save for the six minute prologue to the dark knight rises so they were releasing that like plane sequence from dark knight rises i don't remember this at all but i guess you could i guess you watch like the first six minutes of dark knight rises which was not produced by the same studio Um, anyway, if you want to hear Tim and I's thoughts on Dark Knight Rises, it's a movie, but we did an episode on it, um, because we wanted to watch all the first two (laughs) and we had to finish it. Um, we said this director, Brad Bird specifically wanted every gadget to break or malfunction in the film. Um, so this is (laughs) at around 17 minutes, the code Ethan uses to, at the payphone to get his mission is Tom Cruise's birthday, July 36th. What? (laughs) That doesn't that, zero seven three six two. What is that? July third. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, what? Uh, yeah, July third, six nineteen sixty two. Can we just rephrase? Can we just say it one more time that Tom Cruise was born in nineteen sixty two? Gosh. Anyway, uh, so the air, the thing where the airbags deploy when the car's falling. Um, Falling from that height means the car would have to be moving a little less than 50 miles per hour when hit. 
So I guess someone did the math on that. <laughs> Nerds. Um, <laughs> yep. As Tim got him, got him again. As Tim mentioned, uh, this is the first time where, and maybe the only time, I guess, where the lighting, the fuse of Mission Impossible is actually a part of the movie, and the rest of them it just kind of cuts between scenes, and it, it just shows it. Yeah. Brant's favorite fan favorite line: "Next time I get to seduce the rich guy" was written by none other than future writer director of the rest of the Mission Impossible films, Christopher McQuarrie, who did a major uncredited reworking of the film. So. Big surprise as for whatever, every movie that Tim and I pick, it seems to be a dumpster fire in the writing room. And so um, they brought Christopher McQuarrie in and he didn't take credit for it, but he pretty much saved this movie in a lot of ways. Um, he admitted that when he wrote the line, he thought there was no way it would end up in the film. Pop quiz for you guys. Which prop was the hardest to make in this film? The fountain? I'm going to go with the Good gadget. Guess. That's... Oh, that breaks. Oh, the oh the hallway thing. Mm -hmm. Nope, it was Tom Cruise's goggles. <laughs> prop master Chris Peck said that the prop that gave him the hardest time during production was the goggles Tom Cruise wears during the climb and the sandstorm sequence. The goggles were custom made, a decision which took some time to get to, and had to be painstakingly modified over the course of multiple days by Peck to be lined perfectly to not allow even the slightest bit of sand to get in during the sandstorm chase. Mm -hmm. Brad Bird says his only offer to do the film came from a text message from J.J. Abrams, who directed the last one, saying, Mission? <laughs> <laughs> Something I would do. It was originally targeted for a mid-May 2011 release with J.J. Abrams to direct. Um, there was a bunch of pre-production delays and script rewrites, while at the same time, Abrams was busy working on Super 8, prompting him to back out from directing, but he still came on to produce. Uh, Paula Patton's character in this movie, Carter, is probably a tribute to barbara bain who played cinnamon carter on the television series great great stuff one of the working titles for this movie was rogue nation which huh, was used for the fifth movie. Interesting. <laughs> interesting you know i'm glad they didn't because there's no rogue nations in this movie right. um so this is the other pixar thing ethan uses the call sign alpha 113 and then a 113 appears on hannaway's ring that's a easter egg for in the pixar movies hmm. of course and and it's also it's from it's about a room in California Institute of the Arts, which most of the people, including Brad Bird, went to school that work at Pixar. So he sneaks into a bunch of stuff that's not Pixar related. Um, Jeremy Jeremy Renner's character Brandt. I don't know if you guys knew this. He was specifically created as a eventual replacement for Tom Cruise when Tom Cruise backed out of the franchise. That makes sense. So it was partially that they thought Tom Cruise might quit the franchise. Partially Tom Cruise was crazy and they thought they might have to kill him. <laughs> um, but I found it really funny that this happened and Born Legacy happened within yeah. the same couple of years. That's what I was So they're thinking. like, he's going to take over for Matt Damon. Except he won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jeremy Renner got sloppy seconds on... A uh, bunch of franchises. <laughs> on the Born franchise with, and the Mission with Impossible. With barely any future appearances. Nothing's wrong with Jeremy Renner, yeah. but he got shafted by both. <laughs> um, this is the first installment where none of them are, I, the villains aren't IMF agents or previous. Um, <clears throat> so the typically the mission objectives usually say like, this message will self-destruct in five seconds. So when the secretary gives him the mission, five seconds later, the car is attacked and he's shot. Okay. <laughs> That's a coincidence. So... Uh, no one wears masks. Like, the heroes don't wear masks. I mean, this is stupid. The Bruce Springsteen shirt that Ethan wears when he exits the Kremlin was costume designer Michael Kaplan's personal t-shirt. The production repeatedly contacts Springsteen's representatives. I'm a big Bruce, Bruce Springsteen fan, which is the only reason this is being included. They wanted it to be in the movie, but the representatives kept denying it for some reason. When Tom Cruise heard about that, he used to be neighbors with Bruce Springsteen. He was very confused. He immediately pulled out his phone, called Springsteen himself, and was told that he could, of course, shut the shirt. <laughs> this is like a common thing where Tom Cruise just saves part of the movie. But then this one, this is the only one. I think in Mission Possible 2 or something, he like fronted the costs of reshoots or something. Yeah, and there's mm. one where he, he like went into the editing room to finish it. Yeah. I think that was the second one. I think the second one, yeah. he pretty much just <laughs> took the wheels of the entire film. For for better or worse. I don't know. It was already bad. 
So as seen in the final shot of the theatrical trailer, a big missile flies over San Francisco. Apparently it was <laughs> headed towards the Emeryville area, the location of Pixar headquarters. That's awesome. So Brad Bird had planned that out. I just thought that was really funny. Um, so the, the lady, Leia Sado, who plays Moreau, she performed her on-camera role in English, but she dubbed her lines for the French releases. Kind of like Vin Diesel and other actors have done. Cool. Vin Diesel did it for I Am Groot, though. It's not, not as much work. <laughs> so um, this is Christopher McQuarrie coming to the rescue. So for a significant portion of the film script and filming, Julia was actually dead. And it was his idea to make her not dead. And then Brant was also not involved. He had like a separate story. So he was not involved in like Julia's quote unquote death. And That's so, interesting. Uh, yeah. I think I like that change of yeah. having Brant involved and Julia come back. Yeah, so um, he thought that just didn't have like an emotional resonance, which you see in the rest of the Mission Impossible movies. So, yeah, Christopher Quarries is a lifesaver. He did a lot. I mean, he also did the Jack Reacher movies with Tom Cruise. So yeah. that guy can't get away from Tom Cruise, I don't think. <laughs> Some people say he's like a faux director, just like Tom Cruise is the director, mm-hmm. but Christopher McQuarrie just lets him do whatever he wants. I would disagree. I think he's a good writer, too. Like, Tom Cruise can't write. Yeah. Probably not. So, I don't know if... Have either of you guys seen um, Dr. Strangelove? Oh, no. Okay. I thought you were going to say the the Reacher show. The Reacher show is awesome. Oh, yeah, it is good. Dr. Strangelove is right up your alley, Tim. It is a parody on disaster movies. Like, apocalypse, like, nuclear nuclear bomb movies. Yeah. So, I've seen it. Um, So, the bad guy says when they walk out of that police like tv station may there be peace on earth um that's a a sentence from the bad the bad the general jack ripper in dr strange love his name is jack ripper yes and that's on purpose too yeah that's that's on purpose as well um it's a great movie but you gotta be able to stomach a lot of black and white and pete and peter sellers plays like half the characters including but not notwithstanding Dr. Strangelove himself. The full movie is called Dr. Strangelove or How I Stopped, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. There's also a part where they're all arguing and in the war room and they're like, you can't fight in here. This is a war room. That's like the most iconic mo- line from that whole movie. Um, but that is, <laughs> I decided to end the trivia with that obscure fact. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts on Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol? Paul Patton. <laughs> Paul Patton. That's that's the final the, thought. The the premise of the bad guy's plan is kind of like if he watched war games and was like, yeah, I agree with the computer. We we should just eliminate everyone. It, it's just a weird plot for a Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit it's a bit GI Joe. Yeah, uh, <laughs> one. The, or, the guy uh, guy wants to destroy the world. It's like that's not a motivation. <laughs> and same with Age of Ultron. Yeah, like, I was, yeah, gonna, say like, Ultron, I was yeah. gonna bring up Age of Ultron. Yeah, yeah. But he's crazy. They acknowledge that in the movie. <laughs> anyway, um, I think we're taking a week off next week. Um, but upcoming, we're gonna do Rogue Nation. Um, Tim and I are gonna do Rogue Nation, and then I think we're doing the Wolverine movies later this month. So. Get excited for that. Um, But thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. See you guys.